Welcome to Sam's Business Growth Show. I'm Sam Dunning, a digital marketing, sales, and business growth evangelist. Tune in and subscribe today as I'll be interviewing business leaders, experts, and entrepreneurs from around the globe. You'll be learning their story, how digital marketing has helped them along the way, and exclusive tips and insights to help you skyrocket your own business. Welcome back to the show. I am delighted to have joining me today, Jake Dunlap. Jake is the founder and CEO at Scarlet Consulting. He's a C-level sales leader and highly sought after industry thought leader. He's been featured in Forbes, Inc., the Gary V Audio Experience and HuffPost. Jake was the first VP of sales at Glassdoor, which then had a $1.2 billion acquisition in May of 2018. Plus, he was the first sales leader at No Weight, acquired by Yelp. Um, back in March 2017, and he has a whopping 35k LinkedIn followers. Jake, how are you doing, man? Welcome to the show. I'm doing great, man. I'm looking forward to it. Awesome, dude. So there's loads that we want to cover today. Um, we want to ha- learn a whole bunch from your good self, including your top business growth tips, how digital marketing's helped you along the way, and your recommended d- digital marketing strategies for any sales professionals or business leaders listening. And but let's start from the top, uh, Jake, if we may. I'd love Let's to do learn. it, man. Yeah, I'd love to learn your story. So ever since leaving school where you grew up and how you got into the business world, Jake. Yeah, cool. I'm happy to do it. So uh, yeah, I mean, look, I'll start. I grew up in the Midwest, um, went to school in the Midwest and was really a big fan of uh, professional sports. So I'm actually ironically here at the New York Jets facility uh, oh, wow. in, in, in New Jersey right now, if you guys can get like a view on that. That's I don't know if you'll... Awesome, so, man. What are you up to here, here? Here working with them and meeting with the Giants later, be at Madison Square Garden tomorrow. So we actually have do quite a bit of business in sports. We're really helping, you know, our organization, you know, what we do now and to skip ahead, you know, a little bit, but I'll come back to it is, you know, we work with companies that are trying to either modernize their sales approach or trying to build out more scalable, you know, uh, processes, whether that's around demand generation, sales, et cetera. And so sales organizations in particular, you know, are really starting to kind of step up to the plate and really think about, you know, modernizing their approach. You know, so if you're in sports, you're used to calling in and saying, Hey, I'm, you know, I'm a sports team, you know, meet with me. And, you know, as there's more alternatives than ever, you know, they're, they're modernizing the way that they're doing things. So we've got a lot of clients in the space and I'd actually just hired someone full-time who's dedicated to it. So I'm kind of getting back to my roots, man, from, you know, that's where I started my game. And now, you know, where we just added someone full time is going to be doing it. So, Amazing you know, stuff. for me, man, it was, uh, you know, I, I just realized, you know, I, I went into tech sales after sports for four years, was a VP of sales at Glassdoor, like you said, VP of sales at another startup. And, you know, I just realized that like, I was not a very good employee. I was like a mediocre employee that like, I was extremely good at the work, but not really good at like executive, you know, uh, politics and things like that, which I realized like, and it's not like a negative thing. A lot of people you hear politics, like, oh, that's you know shitty, but like, there is like these like different things. And I, that's just wasn't my jam and realize like, look, I think I can help a lot of companies, you know, with the, the skill set that I have and, um, you know, train a lot of people to be able to um, internally to be able to help deliver that, you know, and, and purposely didn't want to start a sales training company. You know, I saw there's, you know, too many people doing that. And also, you know, too many people, um, you know, it's like, I wanted to drive results. And so that's why I started a consulting company. Um, and so awesome. fast forward okay. seven years, you know, we've got about 25 people in uh, New York, Austin, um, you have two offices and then, you know, remote. And so continuing to grow and, and help organizations scale their, their sales and marketing efforts. Fantastic stuff. Okay. So you said before, um, did you say you were, you were doing sports in college, Jake, or was it in school or? 
then like, you know, look for me, it was interesting. I did sales like when I was in college, I did telemarketing. I did a whole bunch of stuff. So I kind of got into sales, like kind of by accident. Like those are the jobs that paid really, really well. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, that was kind of my first entry into sports that, you know, they're always hiring salespeople. And so ah, from there, you know, I kind of two and a half years in realized like, I really liked sales. Like I enjoy it. I enjoyed, you know, as, as fortunate, I had a, a guy who was older than me and he kind of got me reading books and, you know, got me kind of, I'd always used to love to read, but kind of, kind of put it down throughout college. And, um, Brian Ross, shout out to Brian, um, you know, kind of started feeding me all these books and started to see, man, sales is so much more of a science. So is marketing and read a lot of marketing books too. And, um, it really just got me interested in kind of the, the science and like people move in predictable ways, but you know, kind of perfectly unpredictable ways and you know, how the, the messaging and how you get people to move, all of that stuff became just super, super interesting for me. Awesome, man. So it'd be good to learn before the steps that you took before you started up your own consulting business. It'd be cool to learn some of the, the lessons you learned along the way in sure. terms of your sales game and your business game. So, uh, yeah, so what, count, man. yeah, well, let's, let's go through some of the main <laughs> ones. I mean, if you could take us through, so you say you, you fell into the yeah, sales world, just sure. like myself and just like I'm sure many of the people listening and many of the sales professionals listening in, uh, most of us did fall in, in there somehow. Uh, mainly because we had our eyes set on the price. So big, we saw big bucks and commission checks and we thought, yeah, I want a slice of that. Um, so it'd be cool to learn some of the roles that you've had along, along the way before you set yeah. up your own biz and yeah, what you learned and the lessons you learned in terms of business tips and things. Yeah, I'll kind of walk you through it. So I had so many dumb conversations. Oh God, I was just, I thought I was great, right? For a long time. <laughs> so I'll tell you some, I, th I think I'll, I'll kind of try to give you some highlights and things I think people will think it is funny or interesting. You know, I always had problems with authority, right? And so, which was, but has served me extremely well because I'm always looking for new ways to do things, you know, that are like out of the box. What I, what I realized early in my career is like, you should take the best practices from everyone else. Never start from zero. Like why start iterating from zero? And then, you know, just start to iterate from there, which was both, I had bosses where that worked really well and, and it didn't. So started off in, you know, frontline sales role um, in group sales, quickly moved in within a year and a half. I was managing with another guy, the, in, the inside sales team at the Tampa Bay Rays. So, um, and really, you know, what made me successful early on in my sales career was like, I just, I, my, my threshold for uncomfortableness and to make people uncomfortable is extremely high. <laughs> that you know i am okay way. getting weird uh you know i don't know if it's always i think like whenever i i did telemarketing in college you know i sold vacation packages and okay. long distance long distance at one time like you have to get a human being to give you your their credit card number over the phone and so i kind of was cheating by the time i got like you know graduated and got into real you know like professional sales like i had a skill set that these guys just didn't have and so, you know, because you've got to get people to move to take action, like that's marketing, that's sales, right? It's that's not information right. giving, right? If you want to be an information giver, then let, how about I cut your pay by 75%, right? Marketing and sales, like we've got to get people to take action. And so, you know, progressed quickly in sales, moved over to Tampa. You know, I learned a first lesson there about managing up. Like that was a good one. I got, I ended up getting fired from the rate, from the, the coyotes. I was the number one person in premium seat sales. And, you know, we had a boss that got real friendly with me. He'd go out and drink with us and stuff. And I told him to sure. F off in an email, like joking. And he didn't take it that way. And he fired oh, me. man. And so he didn't. And take you got it fired for and that. So, yeah, I did. I did. Wow. Um, okay. 
and, but, but you know what it taught me is this is it was, it was, a, I needed to learn the lesson because I thought it was God's gift to sales. Right. Cause I was crushing everyone. Like I was so, but I just didn't realize like, you know, look, it doesn't matter how good you are. Like if you're an asshole, like you're going to get fired. <laughs> like, and, and so like it, it helped me with that. I, I probably didn't learn the hundred percent. you back lesson. down to a, to a level to say. Yeah. Like well, a good one. Right. It's my first a kind good, of professional. A big lesson. slice of like, humble pie. <laughs> oh my gosh. I thought my life was over. I remember like listening to train on CD crying, you know, like, <laughs> Oh my God, oh, it's all over. You know, like, um, it's a very real insight. Um, and then, you know, got into to tech sales at a company called career builder and they just did so much for me from a career standpoint, you know, they invested in me, they invested, you know, I moved into leadership relatively quickly. Um, but, but the way that I got there, I think is something that your audience can resonate with. I, I had, I had a really good director of sales there and, Okay. And uh, coming out of the training class, I was like, there was like eight of us, I think. And I was the last, I, I think I was the last or second to last person. I hadn't sold anything. It's like a month, month and a half in. And I'm like, dude, I don't know what's going on. Like I am this amazing seller. And, you know, he, I think he took the time to listen to the call. I can't remember exactly what it was, but, you know, he, he, he listens to the call and he goes, he goes, Jake, he goes, you're not like following the process. I'm like, the process. I'm like, that's for those other guys. Right. And, um, you know, he said, look, Jake, do you think we're stupid? And I was like, well, what do you mean, Evan? He goes, Jake, we train thousands of people on this process. Like, do you think we're stupid? Do you think that we're training people on a process that does not work? And it was, it was like a massive light bulb moment for me. I'm like, well, probably not. Uh, so I was like, okay. Or he's like, just, he's like, just drink the Kool-Aid. He's like, just do it. And then sure enough, the next month I closed 60,000 in new business. Oh, man. Right? I think and we've so, all been guilty of that though, Jake. Like we've all got into totally. a kind of slump where sales, it doesn't matter if you're a sales rep or if you own a business and we've all been guilty of just cruising along, having a good few months of sales. Then all of a sudden everything drops. You can't seem to close any deals. Everything goes to a standstill. And then it's like, what, what do I do? I've always done it this way. And, and like you say, you've got to go back to, go back back to, to the it, start, man. back to the process. What was that process that that particular organization followed? Was it a, a specific one, Jake? Or? You know, I don't know. You know, I don't know. No, it was like, kind of, you kind of maybe like a mix of a little bit of spin. You know, it was, it was before yeah. Challenger, Challenger sale existed, but it was actually a very kind of Challenger sale type sale where, you know, we were, with CareerBuilder, you know, we'd call in and be like, look, you know, there's active job seekers, passive job seekers you know, we have partnerships with all these sites, you know, and, and more and more people don't go to job sites who, you know, they go to Google or they go to these other sites to trucking jobs and, and we own all those sites. So where all these like very specific passive people are. And so it was a very awesome talk track in retrospect and, you know, something that when we work with clients, there's, you know, it's a mutation of some of that. Um, and so, you know, they really taught me that process of how to do a proper discovery and why you ask the questions the way you ask them and, and then how to transition between the discovery and, and how you talk about what you do and then how to close on the, you know, the first deal or get the next meeting. And so there's a very kind of specific process and scripting they had for really each step. Awesome. And, and so you got, I just started to step in, Jake, in terms yeah. of discovery, because that's something I've not touched on that much in yeah. terms of this podcast so far. So I'd love to know your recommendations for the best way to carry out discovery stages um, for yeah. any business when they're talking to a potential customer. Love it. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's an easy one because the discovery process is probably the part of the, I, I did a, a post on this. Um, you know, if you, everyone can go follow me on LinkedIn, it's just Jake Dunlap. Um, but I did a post about this actually today. Um, cool. And I talked about, you know, or actually it was last night. It was, you know, the discovery process is boring. You know, like talking about this, talking about closing is fun, right? <laughs> and objection handling, but 
but every, you know, when people say, Hey Jake, you know, that they'll come to us as a consulting firm. Hey Jake, how do you like, look, we, we need to close more deals, you know, our close ratio is not high. Um, or, you know, Jake, we're getting stuck at the end of the process. I'm like, okay, cool. So you have a, do you have a discovery problem? They're like, no, 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 no. I'm like, yes, yes, yes. Like it's, it, you're not asking the difficult questions up front and then you're getting late in the deal cycle. And you didn't know that Timmy needed to be involved. You didn't know that this other person, you know, that, that this other priority is actually number one, because you didn't talk to anybody else. So the discovery process is at, is at the heart, if not the heart of, of like amazing selling. And so what goes into a good discovery? So um, I'll maybe back up just to do something a little more controversial for fun. Yeah, why not? Um, like how, how, how you start the meeting is actually one of the most important pieces. Not enough people talk about this. The way you set an agenda and how you set the tone for the meeting also has an impact on how your meetings progress. So like for me, I'm a big fan of this, like never thank people for their time. It is my biggest pet peeve with sellers when they come in like sycophants. Thank you so much, Sam. I really appreciate you taking the time to meet with me today and taking some time out of your schedule. Like what does that do to the power dynamic in that, in that you immediately, you're not a peer, you're like eight steps below them. You know, their peers don't come in and say, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate, you know, so, so how you set the tone to go into the discovery makes a big difference, right? Like if you set that tone and then you start asking me questions after the fourth question, I'm like, look, little guy, right? Like, you know, just tell me what you got. So, so, you know, we, we, we teach companies, you know, how to, how to be excited. Look, I'm excited for the conversation, you know, based on this meeting, I did some prep and, you know, we work with this company and this company, I think that are relevant. They've had a similar problem or set to others in the industries. But first, each company we work with is different. So I want to spend five or 10 minutes understanding some of the nuances, you know, with you around XYZ. Then we'll talk a lot about what we do at XYZ. And if it seems like there's a fit, then we'll talk about next steps. Does that work for you? Yes. And they go on. And then the discovery process. So that's the agenda. So cool. like how you, how you should set a good agenda. And it matters, right? As opposed to like you're just lost and there's no agenda. There's oh, like yeah. three components. I can tell you yeah, that it happens times, all the time. Yeah, when I was when I used to set sales meetings, um, whether they were virtual, whether they were face to face, or using Zoom, whatever, and not having an agenda, just the the amount by setting a Google Calendar invite, making sure there's a clear step agenda of what's going to happen, how long it's going to take, who's going to be involved. That's that's helped my own personal sales a heck of a lot. So big believer in that. And like you said just now, making sure you're on the same level as your prospect and making sure you keep things on the same level is is so key. So no, you carry on, Jake. Yeah. Well, so, so the discovery process, there's kind of three, three pieces. The first one, and this is the one that most people miss is role and fit that too often, look, you get a VP of operations. Do you know how many 85,000 different things that can mean? That can mean that they have zero direct reports. That can mean they have a hundred. You can mean that they operations in this company is this and logistics in that company is why. And so if you, if you don't spend the first, like, Hey, Sam, look, I work with lots of VPs of operations, helping them with X, Y, Z, you know, what are your two core areas of focus at X, Y, Z? Cause I know that it can be, you know, a little bit all over the place in terms of what you typically handle. So then I understand who this person is. And then I say, great, tell me about the team. Now I understand the people that are typically involved. As soon as I know that I know who needs to be involved in the second meeting, because what nobody tells you and what everyone should tell you is that the whole goal of the first meeting is to get the second meeting. It's not to educate. It's not to do whatever. It's to do what you need to do to get the right people in the room. I think a lot of people don't kind of have that as the goal. So as soon as I know who you are, what your team looks like, I can now drive next steps. If I don't know who, who you are and who your team is, I, I can't drive next steps at the end of the first meeting because I don't know who to involve, right? And so role and fit as their first set of questions. And then I go into business challenges at a high level. And then tactically, what are you doing? You know, what are your top two goals for 2020 around this? tell me more. 
So my kind of my pro tips for discovery are you've got this role and fit section, business goals, and then, you know, like, what are you doing today stuff? If you go tactical too early, you immediately bring the conversation down to tactical, right? So again, I'm here with the Jets. I'll give a good example. If they start talking about the difference in season tickets with the Jets versus the Giants, you're no, you're no longer talking to me about helping my business. We're now comparing tickets. And you, you don't want that. I don't want that. I don't want, I don't want people to compare things. Good. Right? I, want, I, want, I want it to be about the business challenges I can help you with. So if you, you, don't, you, want it, you can take it tactical after you understand the broader business goals. And then there's a couple of things within the discovery that I think are important. One is recap after every couple of questions, make people feel heard. Sounds good. Two, two is after every question, ask, tell me more or why at least once or twice. Most people in the discovery never get to the, the real issues, the real needs, the real priorities because they hear one thing and they move on. After every question, okay, great. Hey, John, my top, so one of my top priorities for this year is growing our client base. Okay, great. Why? Why is that a priority for this year? Well, you know, last year we actually had some churn issues. Okay, well, great. Well, what led to the churn issues, right? Well, this, this, and this, right? Okay, well, well tell me a little bit more about that. So now you're no longer, you know, helping them to find new clients. You're actually, the real issue was churn in the first three months. And that's what all the executives are focused on. So now I don't sell broad churn, I sell reducing, you know, churn in the first three months by, you know, 15%. Got it. All right, right Jake. And if you don't ask those layered questions, you're screwed. So are we talking about digging deeper into the real meaning of what people are saying? So finding their actual business pains yes. and determining if there, there is a fit for you both to do business and organize a second meeting. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Awesome. So those are some really, really nice tips for anyone listening that whereby your business has, has to have a sales cycle where yep. you need an exploratory call first and then you need to move into a second call, whether, whether that's a pitch or presentation or whether that's, that's right. you've got various sales steps to your sales cycle. Awesome. Okay. And is there anything else that we need to add to that, Jake, or is that just about it? Recap, why two times? What else do you need to know if you're trying to run a killer discovery? Um, and then, yeah, and then like a grand recap at the end. So great. So from what I hear, I heard this, I heard this, I heard this, I heard this, because that just makes people feel heard and to make sure that you didn't hear incorrectly. So just, you know, those, I think if you do those things, you can run a good discovery. Fantastic. Awesome. Okay. So back to your story. Um, so you were at a sales management level now. We were, we were at, um, what, what was happening next? Sure. Oh yeah. No, I was telling you about, so the, the not closing a deal. So before that I go it. into that, yeah, I'll tell you about, um, this I think will be really interesting. So same leader. I was an individual contributor. I went to him. He goes, Jake, what are your goals here? I said, well, my goal is to be in leadership. He goes, well, that's not a goal. And I was like, well, what do you mean? I'm like, well, of course being in leadership is a goal. He's like, no, it's not. He goes, because I control it. And he goes, a goal can't be something that somebody else controls. A goal can only be things that you control. And he uh, said, like so that. what, yeah, he's like, so what can you control? You can control your activity every day. You know, are you putting in the work, you're the reps. So people see you as a leader in activity. Obviously, if you're making the sales, that's table stakes. And I think a lot of reps don't realize that, you know, like, like hitting the number from a, your sales number and crushing it. That's, ta that's like the pre-rep, you know, if you really want to get promoted. And then the third thing was like, are you mentoring and helping other people, leading trainings on your team, you know, really kind of acting as if. And so what it did is it gave me something to anchor to. Right. I just said, okay, if my boss's boss, who's the one who makes a decision to promote me, what he cares about is activity, sales, and like mentorship and team impact. I'm just going to do those things. <laughs> you know, like I'm just going to do what he told me to do. I'm not going to try to reinvent the wheel. And so <laughs> what, what ended up happening, yeah, like a month and a half, two months later, a leadership position became open. There was a woman, I'd been at the company now for I think four, three months. 
maybe four months, there's a woman who had relocated to Phoenix, had been at the company for two and a half years, was like next in line to get the leadership position. But when it came down to the interview process and, you know, I put together a whole territory plan, like I went above and beyond, right? I, every job I've ever gotten when I was early in my career, this is maybe a little quick pro tip. I put together a territory plan for every single job. When I was in college, I put together a territory plan for how I was going to sell group, group tickets in Tampa Bay. When I went to get and got the job with the Phoenix Coyotes, I put together a business plan for I was how I was planning to position the Coyotes, the Coyotes in like the Latino market and something else. And so, do you know, like I did a group interview with the Coyotes. There's 35 people. I was the only person that got hired. Wow. Okay. Right? And you really put in the work there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's not, I mean, of course. And so I put in the work for the territory plan, but more importantly with Evan, I did everything he said. I'm like, look, Evan, so guess what? I am number one in the team on activity. I'm number two in sales, even though I've only been here for XYZ period. And here are the trainings I've led with the team. And here's my territory plan for what I'm going to do over the next six to 12 months with this team. You know what she brought? She's like, I've been here two and a half years. I'm doing well. I'm a top seller salesperson, blah, blah, blah. And guess what? I got the job. Amazing. And so that taught me a lot about that leadership is about managing up just as much as managing down. And so I think that's a really big, important thing for a lot of people to understand when they make that move into leadership. Yeah. And I think that was, that was a great tip as well, Jake, about when you said, talk to the leader, talk about what they're doing, what they recommend you do to take it to the next level. Just go do it. Follow it. Just go do that. Simple as. Excellent. Okay. Cool. So we've talked about some of your roles. So what, what, what was the stage where you decided that you're ready to start up your own business, Jake? And how did that come about? What was the inspiration for it, man? Sure. So it wasn't, I was not, I was never, ever someone who's like, oh, I'm going to be an entrepreneur. I'm going to own my, I, I honestly had never thought about it. Um, and what happened is I got fired as a VP of sales Ouch. and, uh, oh dude, it happens. I mean, it's a VP. If you're a VP of sales at a startup, of course you're going to get fired. Like, but it's like, it, it, once the company progresses to certain stages, the same thing for marketing. Like that's just, you know, that's just what happens. There's like, I can count on like one hand, you know, out of tens of thousands of VPs of sales that have went from like first or second VP to like IPO. It just, it, you know, it just, it doesn't happen. Um, but, but when I started, I took stock in the things I said, look, look, what am I really good at? Well, I'm really good at building you know, processes and foundations and scaling sales teams, et cetera. And like, okay, what am I not good at? Well, again, I was like 32 at the time. Right. I'm like, well, I'm not very good at politics, et cetera. And so candidly, it was like, well, what's your other choice, Jake? Like you have to start your own firm. You know what I mean? It was kind of like, well, you know, like, let's see how it goes. If, you know, over the, if in six months I don't have a job, then like, you know, cool. I can always go get a VP of sales job. Like I've got an amazing track record. And so that was kind of it. I started to think about, you know, um, that, that to me was a really big, you know, kind of thing that, that I think could be, um, you know, important for people to hear is like, you know, you, yeah, you just have to be willing to take stock of where you're at in your life at different moments. And yeah. so for me, it was very, you know, like there's kind of a path, like as I put laid out the variables there started to become kind of a path forward of like, well, why don't I start this, you know, do it on my own for a little bit, see how I like it. And then, you know, six months in, I was like, you know, don't get me wrong, there's opportunities, right? You know, we work with a client, Jake, we want you to be our VP. And there's a couple, you know, like early on where I was like, oh man, there's also a private equity firm that I got really close to going in-house with. I got, was getting part of, like, it was a really sweet deal. And, you know, it ended up being, you know, the, the employment term, you know, I couldn't work it out. And I was like, I just can't be someone's employee right now. Like maybe there's a time down the road. Maybe if we get acquired or something. Once but you had a taste of that entrepreneurship and that I just, your I just, I'm not good at it. Like that's, you know, that's <laughs> another enough, thing. Dude. I'm not good at being the like, 
Cool. Like so how, how was it, Jake, to start when you first started the business? So you started by yourself. What were the, how did you progress it? How did you scale it up? How did you start employing people? How did you build it up? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, there's, I'll tell you some mistakes that I made early that, you know, I, they paid for later is I wasn't as intentional as I should have been about growth. You know, it's like, Hey, do you have money? Yes. Is it, is it remotely sales related? Yep. Let's do a deal. <laughs> right. Like, you know, we got into doing outsourced lead generation, you know, all kinds of different shit, man. Um, and you know, I, I think for the first three, four years, we kind of just like, we're, we're feeling our way of who we're going to be and probably 2017, 2018, it just, you know, we started to do more and more of who we're not going to be. Well, I didn't want to be a sales training company, so let's not sell one-off workshops anymore. Okay, cool. Um, you know, if it's a current client, it's a little bit different, but, um, okay, well now what do we want to do? Well, we want to be focused on this concept of like modern, like sales technology. I saw that as a sector. Okay. Well, what is that going to look like? Well, we're going to need people who are experts here. Okay, great. Got it. So, um, you know, from my side in particular, a, a lot of um, a lot of it was trial and error, and I don't think I was as intentional as like I wish I would have been in retrospect. Um, and I think you know anyone who's starting their own business or thinking about it, you know, the more intentional you are up front, the more focused it can feel limiting. You know, like that's a real big. You know, it can feel like, well, but what about this opportunity? But you I know, see, yeah. you know, when you go small um to go big then that can be you know that can be something that you you know you know that you end up doing uh that you end up being successful with so cool so you decided to really kind of home in on the service that you were offering and yeah. then how did you build it up jake how did you start finding clients and customers and scaling your business to the next level yeah well uh, gee, well, honestly, I mean, look, let's talk about like LinkedIn and personal brand. Yeah. I mean, couple, on this show, we love to take the angle of digital marketing. So that was the next, next stage we were coming to. So we love yeah, to talk I mean, about I'll how talk, digital yeah, marketing helped along the way. I know you're a big fan of LinkedIn yeah. and you post some awesome content. So it'd be great to know the channels that you've honed in on, not necessarily just LinkedIn, but it could yeah. be web-based, could be digital marketing based. So let's, let's hear what's helped you and what okay, you recommend. Yeah, so, I'll tell you what happened. So, well, well we, call, we closed a couple of big deals with like Fortune 100, Fortune 500 companies. So that started to give us kind of this idea of like, hey, you know what? Like this work is like really good. Like, like the work that we're doing with these clients is like good. You know, when Microsoft and LinkedIn and ADP and Ultimate Soft, like all these companies are hiring us, we're like, oh, okay, well, okay, like what, what should we do? Then I started to look at kind of marketing, right? And we were doing what every good little consulting firm does. You produce eBooks and people download them and then you produce blogs and people look at them and you, you know, spam them. And, um, and we saw engagement, man. You know, I just looked at engagement. And I looked at like, you know, on social and, you know, other channels. I'm like, is this really how in 2018 people are consuming content right now? Right? They're like, oh, let me just sit down at this cozy ebook and just like, you know, crush this ebook right now. <laughs> or even a blog post, right? And I just looked at what worked and what didn't. It became very clear to me that LinkedIn organic posts was like stupid free, right? Like, you know, it's like, whoa, that post got 20,000 views. Like, okay, well, how much money is that worth? Well, if LinkedIn's a $50 CPM, like, wait, is that like, you know, 4,000? That's got like $4,000 in free advertising? Like, oh, so. How about we stop? So between 2018, June of 2018 and June of 2019, we posted zero blog posts, zero eBooks. We literally went all in on LinkedIn in particular because my audience is there, right? CEOs, VPs of sales, VPs of marketing. I'm doing text-based text posts every day. And so last year, you know, last year my post got, and, and you know, 
I think, you know, uh, this year will obviously be more, but you know, over 10 million views, which if you add that up if you, and you assume like a $50 CPM, it means we got almost $660,000 in free advertising on LinkedIn. And because I've connected to so many sales and sales leaders and CEOs targeted to my direct audience. And LinkedIn organic traffic right now is identical to Instagram and Facebook organic, like, you know, before they, they flipped it over. And I just feel like it's such an amazing opportunity for people. 100% agree. I mean, my listeners and viewers will know that I absolutely love LinkedIn. I'm on there every day and posting regular content. And like you say, the organic reach has to be snapped up before it dips. So now, now's the time to fully right. grasp hold of this opportunity. Um, awesome. Okay, so you've, you've had some amazing, amazing traction on LinkedIn, it sounds like, Jake. Has that yeah. been the number one source for you to generate new business? What other channels are you harnessing to, to generate new business? Yeah. Well, we're, you know, look, and this is the other problem, you know, we, we were really trying to boil the ocean, right? You know, I think every, you know, firm feels like you need to be everywhere, right? As opposed to like, you know, what's your primary platform and then what, what, what's okay to be on life support. So for us now, like the logical extensions, at least we feel are, you know, Twitter's easy, right? Because Twitter, Twitter, we can kind of rehash some of our LinkedIn stuff and it actually performs really well. So Twitter, Twitter for us is more about it. I think it's just a place we, we do a good job of creating engagement, but the place where we're super bullish on is YouTube. You know, I already have, I think, 320 plus videos on YouTube, but nice. we're not doing it, but we're not doing any daily shows, things like oh, okay. that. And that's, and that'll help to kind of expand it out. You know, we're obviously posting on Instagram stories and things like that every day. Um, so I'd say kind of the next platforms up for us is probably YouTube. You know, like I said, Twitter for sure is just something that we're kind of constantly on, but we really feel like YouTube can, can, can do some things. Got it. Okay. And are you guys doing much in terms of your website, in terms of things like paid ads? Is that something you look to or utilize to generate leads? And sure. Business? Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a good question. I mean, it's kind of a mix. I think, I think one thing that we, we, we had struggled with early on is really product. It's really difficult. And I think this is where agencies and, and consulting firms you know, struggle and why, why paid sometimes for them is difficult is like, you know, with an agency or a consulting firm, I'm like, tell me what the problem is and I'll tell you how we solve it. Right? It's not, it's not productized. It's not like something that you can look at and you immediately go like, I have this problem. I need a solution to it. Right. Like, you know, as opposed to like, yes, we need help, help with our sales efforts. Like what the, that could mean like 800 things. Right. And so I think what we've done a good job of, we're, we're kind of positioning a few of our digital products. So one is um, digital managed services product. One is around, you know, B2B demand, basically B2B digital presence, which is again, B2B right now, business to business sales is the most boring shit on the planet <laughs> is dude they're linked you know you go and look at it so we did an audit it was insane we did an audit and these are companies that are posting we did four straight cmos and two of the two of the cmos we you know we looked at theirs they hadn't posted in months and then we looked at their linkedin profile they had two of them had 50 straight posts that had zero comments oh man like, why are you even posting and guess and guess what when you dig into the likes guess who's liking it employees like they could put that shit on your internet, you know, like, yeah. I, I just feel like marketers are just sleeping on LinkedIn. So I feel like that we still have a lot of work to do on LinkedIn organic, but certainly LinkedIn paid is something that we're, we're, we're moving into and doing for our clients as well too. I think the tough part that a lot of people see with LinkedIn paid is it's expensive. And sure. because they're running the same terrible banner ads, they're like, the results aren't worth it. I'm like, well, look at your ads. Like they're not how people post natively in LinkedIn. Instead, they're in some like weird other spot. So, so cool. that would be my kind of like two cents is like, I think it's just that the platform right now is, is like, 
And I think, man, B2C, dude, if you're a B2C influencer, like in fitness or nutrition, I think you could, you could crush on LinkedIn right now too. Interesting. I've not heard that in terms of B2C. So that's interesting. And have you got on that note, sure. Jake, like you say, there are so many companies, so many sales reps, so many business professionals posting on LinkedIn, the same dull, boring, informal content. Have you got any tips for anyone listening to up their LinkedIn game to oh, help them put tips out some inspirational content? <laughs> I know we're getting close to time, but it'd be awesome to, to no, yeah, no, I'm, yeah, yeah, we're, we're good. So I've got, yeah. I've definitely got a bunch of tips for you guys. Um, and some I think will be easier than others. So, so just right out of the gate, you know, there's just understand a few things. LinkedIn doesn't want you to send people off LinkedIn. So every time you post a link in the post itself, right, you are destroying your organic reach. There's a company that just did a, they just literally tested, AB tested this and, and the clicks for the link were two X because, and the reach, I can't remember, it was like five X because you just say, you know, Hey, here's our insights around this thing. And you, if you want to read more of the links in the comments, so companies need to start doing that immediately. The other thing that companies have to do is LinkedIn just released a feature two weeks ago where company pages can actually request people who are in, like, you know, whoever you want, but specifically in your target audience, right? So think about that. So let's say you sell into VPs of marketing. Every day, your company page should be requesting 25 VPs of marketing. If you do that every day, including weekends, that's 7,000 VPs of marketing that by the end of the year are going to be following. So you got to increase your follower count of the right people, not just current employees and former employees and friends of friends, right? If you do those two things, you're going to see an immediate blip. You start to produce content that's, that's not just a reshare that actually has some insights. You start adding more of your relevant buyers. You start doing those two things, you're going to see a blip. That's so that would be my like super tactical, get it done, you know, way to, way to make it happen. Very, very good. Yeah, I've just started enjoying that um, feature on company pages now for this show, actually, where you can invite people to to follow so that's that's a nice little addition cool okay so it sounds like linkedin's your number one channel to, yeah. to harness right now jake which uh yeah. sounds just it is, it is just because of the traffic the organic traffic right now i feel like it's so good but but it's it's more of again it's been like you know the i really feel like youtube is still a place where we can go and crush you know so i'm, I'm excited to start to get more involved there Cool, man. Okay. And on that note, moving away from digital, have you got any nuggets, golden nuggets of advice, Jake, that you could give to anyone listening who's recently started their business or is thinking of starting a business um, just on, on strategies to follow or best yeah. practices? Definitely. Yeah. So, I, you know, we talked about a few of them, right? To just hone, like, you know, don't worry about, you know, have a smaller target market potentially in the beginning and get really good at that. And then, you know, kind of like let that drive your growth. Um, but I think the other thing is, you know, I, I just, and this just kind of came to a head this last year as we had grown, you know, quickly, it, um, you know, I almost doubled headcount in 2019. And so, so for me, I, I didn't Amazing, really, quite, uh, thank you. I appreciate it. And, but I, I didn't quite realize what that would do to culture. And so they got all these new people, new personalities. And, and I think I had done a really poor job of saying, look, yeah, we've got these value statements. And then, and then what, what we did is I created a whole program in, in September or maybe it was early October called the scaled difference. And what it was, it's a commitment to our clients that if you work with us, we're going to change the trajectory of your company. And if you work with Scaled as an employee, we're going to help to change the, the trajectory of your career, you know, as an employee. And we created these different modules. So it's like, who is Scaled? What does this business unit do? What is this? There's all these different communication things that have started to pop up. So Scaled different sessions we started. And then we created kind of a list of behavioral norms, which is like, how do you show up at Scaled? You know, and so there's things like working together, honoring your commitments and some of these other things. Um, and so I think take the time to do that. 
you know, take the time to say, okay, our values. And if so one of your values is collaboration. So how, how do I, as an employee actually collaborate? Like, like what does the norm look like? And so for us, like, you know, like collaboration, I can point to things like working together and working together has like this, this, and this and honoring commits. So you can be a good collaborator if you're doing these things within working together and you're honoring your commitments, which looks like this. So give people kind of a code that they can live by and, and take some time to write that out. And it okay. just has made a super, super huge impact. You know, the amount of conversations I can just point to, you know, like, look, this is not, this is not how we do business at scale. This is not honoring your commitments. This is not how we do it. Or on the flip side, like, oh my gosh, you're crying. So now every week in our weekly meeting, everyone, people nominate someone and every quarter we pick one or two of the norms, not the values, the norms, the behaviors um, to then um, highlight people. And so they kind of, we don't nominate based on like a job performance. We, we we're nominating to try to drive it home based on, you know, norms performance. I like that. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. All right, Jake. And is, is there any particular habits that you can recommend for um, entrepreneurs or people thinking of starting their own business that they should follow to ensure that they're going to become a success? So whether it's putting in the daily activity, whether it's posting mm-hmm. regularly on LinkedIn, whether it's creating a good coach for their company, I mean, yeah, there's, I mean, obviously there's a lot. I mean, I've talked, I think about some of these habits. Um, I, I, you know, I think the most important habit is the ability to leave all the different stress of your company behind when you're having one-on-ones with people, you know, as a, a, somebody who owns your business, you know, look, I'm constantly thinking about payroll invoicing. Um, so-and-so is the dropping the ball. This person is the, like, you know, when you own a company as, and as, and as you grow and scale, those, those things don't, they don't go away. They get, they exacerbate if there's an issue or they, you know, you've got different, different flavors of the same problem. And so I think, you know, you got, you have to really train yourself. And I don't, I don't think I'm great. I think I'm okay at this. I had something I certainly want to improve on is you've got to leave every conversation behind. And so I'm sitting here talking to Sam, we're talking about this one thing and leave all the other things that I'm thinking about or previous experiences behind you. And I think is as a leader and as a, you know, as an entrepreneur, if you grow and scale, the more that you can be present and be focused in every little micro conversation, um, people will get a lot more from you as opposed to kind of feeling this like frustration or other things from the you know, other shit you got going on in your day to day. That is an amazing business growth secret. And it's, it's much easier than said than done. I can, I can assure very you that, so. but it's, <laughs> it's very, very true. Awesome. Awesome, Jake. So everyone, you've been listening to Sam's Business Growth Show, where we interview business leaders, experts and entrepreneurs from across the globe. We find out their story, how digital marketing has helped them along the way and their exclusive tips and insights to help you skyrocket your own business. Um, Jake, really appreciate you coming on the show, man. How can people connect with you? Um, Tell us a bit more about your business and the best way to get in touch with yourself. Yeah, I appreciate that. So yeah, like I said, LinkedIn, obviously, if I, that would be remiss of me if I didn't say that. So it's just Jake Dunlap on LinkedIn. You can always email me at jake at scaled, S-K-A-L-E-D.com. Um, and, you know, look, what, what we do is, you know, we help organizations around growth challenges. And so that could be around people-related issues, process-related issues around demand generation or sales, or sales technology and marketing technology. All of those things go into building a mar- modern sales and marketing you know, organization. And so if your organization is thinking about different challenges you're having within your marketing or sales organization, whether it's people process or technology related, then, you know, myself, the team, we're always down to have a conversation, talk best practices. Um, and then we just launched a new group. I've got four, I think four full-time people in it now where we're doing this kind of LinkedIn strategy work for companies that we're really seeing. If you're talking about modern marketing, modern demand gen, LinkedIn, if you're in B2B in particular, and I, I like I said, I think there's a big opportunity for B2C too. Um, 
there's a big opportunity for you to leverage LinkedIn. And so we've got a group of people that, that's working with executives at companies, um, sales reps and sales teams at companies and marketing departments, um, helping them to basically optimize their digital presence. So if that's something that's interesting to, you know, get at me. Thanks, Jake. The show is sponsored cool. by webchoiceuk.com, helping businesses grow with results-driven digital marketing, SEO, conversion-focused web design, and complex web and mobile applications. Really appreciate it, Jake. It was awesome to have you on. Awesome, man. Thank you. I appreciate it, Sam. Subscribe today for more digital marketing, sales, and business growth tips from the experts.